Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello there, friend. Uh, Vish Khanna talking to you right off the top of the show. A bit unusual. Uh, I have an announcement. Like many of my colleagues who are living in Ontario, Canada, under Doug Ford's provincial government, my day job at a campus and community radio station may not exist for much longer. For a sampling of what I'm talking about, please go to your favorite campus and community radio station's website. I'm sure there'll be a little announcement and maybe even uh, a way that you can help them financially or otherwise in in our in this current state of affairs. But because you're listening to this podcast, I wanted to tell you something. I would like nothing more than to keep making episodes of Creative Control every week, but that requires a significant bump in the revenue that this show generates so that I can feed my family and also house them too. I I have decided that both food and shelter are important for my family. Call me old-fashioned, this is just how I feel. So I'm looking into subsidies and grants. I'm not having much luck, but I'm looking into those. If you or someone you know wants to help uh, keep the show going, please consider making a monthly flexible donation to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash creative control. If you go there, you'll see our current levels do not sustain a guy trying to provide for his wife and his two kids uh, and make a, a podcast. So maybe a stable day job beckons, but if a stable day job beckons, can I keep doing the show? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I hope that we can just boost our Patreon pledges and maybe get it to a point where it's sustainable. So thanks if you already donate to the show. If you don't, and you can't, that's fine too, but please spread the word as Creative Control's future depends on increased financial support. Again, patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. Try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Greg Turkington is a musician and comedian currently based in Los Angeles, California. Though known for playing a surreal version of himself in the On Cinema at the Cinema universe and for roles in TV and films like SpongeBob SquarePants, Ant-Man and Entertainment, among many others, 
Turkington is also notably the man behind Neil Hamburger, a harshly hilarious comedian and singer who calls himself America's Funny Man. On January 25th, 2019, Drag City released Hamburger's excellent new big band album, Still Dwelling, which features some wonderful musical arrangements and some very strong singing by Hamburger, who lovingly interprets classic material. Greg and I caught up recently for a talk about his Australian origins, his sentimental and sincere comedy, where Neil Hamburger comes from, his appreciation for all music, and in particular KC and the Sunshine Band, his upcoming new film with Tim Heidecker, why he never does podcasts, the story behind Still Dwelling, and much, much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 466th episode of Creative Control featuring the dynamic and hilarious Greg Turkington with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Greg. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad, I, I, I will say. Where in the world are you today? I'm in uh, Los Angeles. This is where you've lived for how long exactly? Oh, about 16 years, 15, 16 years, something like that. 16 years. Okay. And where were you before that? Before that, just before that, I was in Australia, actually, in uh, in Melbourne. Is that That's where you're from? Well, it's... it's it's complicated, and it's weird because people will come up to me because they go on Wikipedia and see that I was born in Australia, and they'll say, yeah, you know, I, I, I just saw your, your show, and I heard you slip into the Australian accent, you know, but you do pretty good at at hiding it. But the fact is, I've never had an Australian accent because I didn't grow up there. Um, my parents are American, and uh, they just, you know, when they were young, they decided to go to Australia and check it out. And they stayed there for a couple of years, during which time I was born. But we left when I was maybe four or five months old, and uh, and then later, as an adult, I realized that I had this dual citizenship available to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, with that in hand, I thought, why not move to Australia and see if, see how I like it, you know? Oh, and how was and, it? Uh, and I, I loved it, and ended up staying there for several years, and got married there, and. And so, so at this point, I do have roots there, but it's not, I mean, I guess I am, uh, you know, half Australian or whatever you want. I mean, I have the passport. I was born there and I have lived there and I'm I'm married to an Australian woman, but (laughs) those trying to bust me on my accent are barking up the wrong tree, you know? You sound vaguely in denial about your Australian heritage. I I, I love it. I mean, I wish I had the accent. It actually kind of sucked because 
you know, when Madonna moved to England, she got that accent in like two weeks. <laughs> and I was in Australia for five years and I picked up a bunch of the slang, but I, I, I didn't, I don't think it made any difference at all. I kept waiting for that change to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a There's very, definitely like a, yeah. a rhythm. There's like a rhythm to the way that you speak that, that I, I did notice that got, got altered a bit, you know? Sure. It's a unique accent. Yeah. It would be diff- I, I It almost feels like you would have to do something deliberate <laughs> if you don't have that accent yeah. to produce that accent. Well, I think the American accent is just kind of when when the your real accents start disintegrating. Yes. This is sort of the baseline, you know. <laughs> so it's hard to go in the other direction, but you know my my wife, you know, she she was born and raised in Australia, but her her parents are from Sri Lanka, so she grew up with um hearing their accent and then had the Australian accent and then has been here for, you know, 15 years. So her accent is is something that uh accent folks should be studying because it's a real it's a real mishmash of of different input you know yeah well you you are a performer i think you know accents and voices rather well so i i trust your opinion what do you think (laughs) no i mean i definitely have my ears open but i sure am not um i feel like i'm very inadequate at doing accents and and that type of thing you do you do uh do you do any particular impressions that's usually a, a litmus test for your vocal cord range. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I do. It's kind of like, um, it's almost like my my singing. It's like if I'm super relaxed, I feel like I can pull off some impersonations, but um, only then, you know? <laughs> sort of like Barney Rubble in the uh, shower on the Flintstones when suddenly he became a, a decent vocalist. Uh, I feel like with the accents, I'm like that, but... I think it's possible that uh it I might actually just be bad with the uh, with the impersonations and the and the accents and uh, just plain bad. I That's was very possible. I I was listening uh to Still Dwelling a lot. Uh, I have been listening to it a lot in anticipation of our our talk. Congratulations on this record by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a very ambitious record and I I have marveled at your voice before. I've marveled at what you do in in character as Neil Hamburger and and the rhythm. Well, that's why I talk to you. Oh, <laughs> that's the only reason because I like you. Yeah, because you because you marvel at it. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, I do. I do. It's it's. No, uh, as, thank you. Thank you. As you know, I'm a fan, and you know we've spoken uh, many times, a few times in many. when you're uh, when you're Neil, and sometimes uh, when you're. A version of Greg, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I enjoy it all. But what I was going to say is, there are moments on Still Dwelling where you're singing. I would say, and this is going to sound maybe ridiculous given the context, but some of your singing here is really remarkable. You you are hitting notes. You have a power to your voice that maybe I would surprise some people. It would if if they if they were willing to uh, listen it listen to it with open ears because. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's bad if you're in any sort of comedic world and you're trying to make music. I feel like it's, it's, it's too easy for people to, uh, write the review before even listening to the record sometimes, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And, um, and it's really hard to, uh, I mean, definitely this is, uh, you know, it's, (laughs) I would say it's the comedic record in a lot of ways, but 
you know, the approach that I was going for when, when recording the vocal tracks was just trying to get into the songs the way that the vocalists that I admire so much do. And I might not have the, the skill or the range that they do, but I should be able to tap into the emotions the way that they did. And that's all I wanted to be able to do with this, you know, because when you're singing in character like that with a I mean, it's basically a handicap to have to sing as Neil Hamburger, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. And um, to try to focus in on the songs and what they're about and what they would mean to this character and stuff and just really get into it that way rather than approaching it as, you know, let's make a a bad record, let's let's sing poorly. I mean, that was not, that was never going to be the option, you know? Well, you've, um, you've made some very interesting and bold choices. Like when I think of, I think it's the bridge of everything's all right, where you're really going mm-hmm. for it. And, and, and the way you've just chosen to phrase and emphasize lyrics in World Without Love, for example. Uh, I mean, there's all, right. all manner of examples, but you've just done a thing where I can't. There, it's a comedy record. I get the impression sometimes that you love a lot of the stuff you're mocking or parodying or satirizing. Is that fair? Is it coming from a place of of joy, so to speak? Like, are you, are you honoring it or or disparaging it? I'm trying to figure most, it out. Most of the songs on this record are songs that I genuinely love. Um, I can't say that uh, um, "Homeward Bound" is a song that means very much to me, but but um, Eric, who produced the record, um, Eric Paparozzi, he he suggested it, and he was convinced that it would work for. Neil Hamburger and it would work in the context of this record and it was kind of the last thing we did and because I trusted him so much you know I mean everything that he was doing on the record was blowing my mind I mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. all right yeah let's give it a whirl and it ended up being one of one of my favorites without um, having feeling any real connection to the song before that you know but the others I mean they're just like songs songs I really like that I thought that I might be able to um bring something to and there's certainly lots of songs i really like that i feel very hands-off on of like you just don't fuck with that song it's it's perfect you know not that these songs weren't perfect but i felt that there was something i could uh, i don't want to say add to but i felt that i had a, a interpretation up my sleeves for some of these well listening to your version of, of paul simon's homeward bound it made me I just the overwrought aspects of the original song hadn't, <laughs> hadn't really occurred to me until I heard Neil Hamburger sing them like that song has just floated by in my life as sort of innocuously that's just a Paul Simon song you know I, and it's yeah. one, one of his hits but when Neil Hamburger performs it it made me reevaluate the sentiment behind that song and it made me think of your relationship to sentimentality I kind of asked this question a moment ago in terms of the love that you feel for things when you're when you're mocking them. I mean, at some level, we we mock what we love. Is that yeah? Is that and you have a curious relationship with sentimentality. I think you abhor it on many levels, but I think there's something about it that that fascinates you. Is that fair to say? I mean, I think I'm pretty sentimental. I mean, when I it's it's strange, but you know, people ask me what my favorite. Uh, not a lot of people, but if if people ask me what my favorite, it's mostly me, mostly time, me, mostly, mostly me asking you, yeah. you the questions. By yes, people, <laughs> I, I mean you multiple times. <laughs> um, if if you know if we were to talk once every 
year or two, <laughs> then I would finally get to answer these questions, um, which um, one of it is just like, what what are my favorite records? And people think they're going to be these really off the wall sorts of, uh, you know, like what's, you know, what's it going to be? And I, I really like, I think my, my favorite albums to listen to, honestly, are um, that, that get me, that really grip me are the, the West Side Story soundtrack, ah, movie soundtrack, right. and uh, Watertown by Frank Sinatra. And these are, I mean, these are very sentimental records. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think I'm kind of a sap with, with that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's but, you know, I don't, I don't like it when it's poorly done. You know, I, I can't take, like, uh, something like the movie E.T., just... Even when I was, you know, 14 years old and it came out, I'm just sitting there seething at like, this is garbage. This is shit's just schlock. You know, they're using this corny music to sell this corny, stupid story. And I hate it. And I hate everyone in the audience for watching this and, and liking it and being moved by this trash, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that watch, watched West Side Story and felt that way. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there are. Uh, the, you mentioned that people might assume that you might like some off the wall record. You, for those who have followed your your work or re- read about your trajectory, there is some punk rock in there, and you just mentioned seething anger at <laughs> uh, at ET of all things. So I guess I'm curious if you have a sense of where that that anger kind of comes from like because uh, i've been talking about this with people about you know around fourteen, fifteen, i started to realize that a lot of what was being presented to me might be bullshit and that's a yeah. that's a formative moment when you're like wait a minute like that's that's not true and and that's I think what- you just answered the question that's exactly it is that when when i was at that age i was just super obsessed with art in all its forms and to see something like that where i'm like this isn't art this is just manipulation and, and mind control and emotional control it's the anger is just that like, things could be so good here you know yeah. and and this is this is what you're doing with this this is what you're doing with your your great ability to to make a film is just trying to uh manipulate us into feeling something rather than just making something where we naturally do feel something i don't know i mean i i i just i think I disparage a lot of stuff, as as people know, but it comes from just disappointment in a lot of things that are taken, um, given more credit than they deserve, and then things that are are truly special works are are uh, marginalized a lot of the time. And you know, it wasn't. It's not just like oh, I hate cute little creatures like et you know it's it's not that at all it's, no it's, it's it's the emotional manipulation that that they think they can get away with with a movie yeah like and that. that they are getting away with yeah. you know yeah and i mean you, you i mean geez you know you look at films that win oscars and and things that are celebrated and and a lot of them are kind of in that same boat of just being trash that somebody's figured out a way to uh manipulate you into thinking that you've had some emotional experience but that said i'm not against these popular things i mean if i'm talking west side story and you know my favorite the the music that i really listen to the most are are basically some of the most popular recordings of all time so it's it's i'm not like a snob saying you got to listen to this weird record where finally somebody tapped into something yeah i mean i I get goosebumps from listening to you know certain supremes records so um you know 
I'm, I'm certainly um, up up for it. You know, I think it's there when I when I watch you as Greg on on cinema, uh, and when I see Neil Hamburger sometimes, like I I well Neil is a bit less. I was going to say I can <laughs> I can feel the kind of sentiment and the feeling towards the things you're sort of mocking more with the on cinema universe and. And, and what that version of Greg does. But Neil is a very interesting character. This is a very earnest uh, release, still dwelling by Neil on some level. There's not a song about a, a recycling bin, per se. Uh, right, as, right. As some, of you, as some of the work you've done in the past. Where does Neil come from exactly? I'm sure you've been asked this before. I'm sure you've spoken to it, perhaps. But I'm just curious what, when we get into this sort of meta mockery, uh, what what's going on on this album in terms of what, I, like I said earlier, I'm trying to deduce what you're mocking, the song, the sentiment, what what have you. But Neil as a character, as a figure, is complicated. He seems to be mocking comedy. He's embittered about comedy. He's doing comedy. <laughs> and, and so I wonder if, about your perspective on what Neil is, where he came from, uh, and, and what he's doing out here in the world. Well, I mean, that was I think that was seven or eight questions all rolled up into one. That's but, what uh, journalism is now. Uh, <laughs> that you, you know. I, I, I guess so. And then, and then that gives the people the ability to answer just one of them. Yes, exactly. And then, yes. And then move on. Yes. It, it seems like the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> right, now, you're, now you're mocking me, which I appreciate. Uh, no, I'm I, 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 you. I, 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 the, the, the basis of the question is why Neil? Where does he come from? What is going on? That's three questions. I reduced it to three. See what I did? I took it. I, I narrowed it down. I know, but it's still not narrow enough. But, I, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm gonna Thank try. you. Well, you know, the the whole thing started out as one thing. I think the the I mean Neil Hamburger started out as a character in a prank phone call, which the prank phone call wasn't made to be recorded and released. It was just literally me screwing around and making a prank call yeah. that someone happened to record that then we did release into the world and then people liked the character and wanted more. And so I sat down to make more prank calls as this character. And then I thought I'd like to explore more of this character, um, which, you know, this, at that point, this character, there wasn't much to, it was just a jerk on the phone prank calling people. But, but I kind of thought rather than make more prank calls this way, I'd like to look at this guy from a different aspect and record what his actual comedy would be like mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and i think that kind of opened the door to uh, just exploring the, the the same character from different angles throughout the years and of course at some time there were certain points where there was stuff that i was personally interested in that maybe i could figure out or, you know whether consciously or subconsciously how to shoehorn those interests into into what was going on with this character especially when it turned into uh uh actual stage show yeah because as you know there were you know at least 5 years and multiple records several albums worth of of neil hamburger before it was uh before it was a live entity, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then once you open that can of worms, it just gets into, uh, and if you're doing something for as long as I've been doing this, I mean, it, it, it could be quite boring if, if it just is a one dimensional thing. And, and I kind of made my point about some of the things that I was going after initially with that character. 
And so then it, it kind of just gets bigger and bigger and goes into different territories as well as, um, I mean, I just have inhabited it for so long yeah. that, uh, you know, it starts becoming fleshed out to the, to the way that a real person is fleshed out, you know? Yeah. And if you look at what somebody, a, a real person does over 25 years, there's going to be a lot of variety and range and change change hopefully change yeah to uh their perspectives and their experiences over that time you know so it was never something that i sat there uh in front of the computer and said all right let's let's figure out what he would do about this and let's figure out this angle and where is he coming from with this it was more just in in inhabiting it and in um inhabiting it for that long and then having my own uh different viewpoints about different things they kind of got folded into it, you know. Yeah, this this record still dwelling occupies this realm. I, I suppose is, is big band an accurate descriptor of? I think it. I think it is. Yeah. Although I saw this review, somebody said uh, chamber pop, and I, I kind of chamber thought pop. that was nice. Yeah, I thought that was perhaps relevant. I mean, we were, um, you know, I think we were really under uh, me and me and eric were really heavily under the uh, influence of of watertown and uh you know i just wanted to uh i, I don't know i i kind of like when especially because i've made so many records and and over the years and of course we had a feature film and all this sort of stuff yeah but i kind of like the challenge of um doing stuff sometimes it isn't a commentary on anything but it's just Let's just try to make something beautiful, you know. Let's just try to do something that's uh, hmm. that's just nice. That you know. That, <laughs> but that's what's going on with the reception of this record. I don't think people get it. Uh, no, no. But but, but kinda, do you see? I, I, I knew that. Do you, you, know? do you I knew that? Do you kind of see why? I mean, it's it's difficult yeah, for you course. to. Yeah, this this is. I a, mean, did Leonard Nimoy expect when he when he made his records? I mean, those are like sincere attempts by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. To you know, to sing and to and to have some sort of emotional moment with these songs, you know, and it's hard not to uh, listen to them and say, "Well, man, Nimoy's not the best singer, and this is ludicrous." You know, this is just ridiculous when Spock is singing, "I'd love making love to you." You know, it, it's just it's it's fucked. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I get it, and I'm you know, but. And and he probably got it too, you know, and but you know, like I, I love the Richard Harris records. To me, those are like some of the pinnacles of of culture. Is is with the Richard Harris Jimmy Webb collaboration, and you know, Richard Harris is I think a great singer. But you read any review of those records, and it's always like Richard Harris is an actor. He's a terrible singer, but I think he's a great singer who really goes for it, you know. And uh, but he brings this sort of actors approach to these songs and and the same with like the william shatner yeah initially it's like you get these actors they're they're kind of bringing this weird other approach to singing into it you know yes. it's like a, a real performance and sometimes it ends up being ridiculous as as with some of the shatner stuff you know and other times i don't think it's ridiculous at all it's it's just they're just intense interpretations of the songs like with the richard harris um, doing the Jimmy Webb, you know, I don't, I don't, it's, I don't see the problem there, but I do see yeah. why some people would, you know, if they, I mean, a lot of people will, will talk 
crap about something like a Richard Harris record, and then I and then I, if I were to ask like, well, what is it that that you find that is the you know sincere, powerful, emotional vocal performance, and then they'll give me an answer that just is like, okay, well, we're we're done here, you know, because. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not on. The, we're not on the same page here at all. I, I, That's fine. It seems to me that you're talking about that. It's a tension between sincerity and comedy that people have to kind of um, separate for some reason. Like this record, still dwelling. It is a comedy album, but like mm-hmm. you've been saying, it is a sincere sort of product. It, it's sincere and on one level, but as we've discussed, like some of the singing, some of the phrasing choices, they're funny. And there's mm-hmm. this weird distinction that people always want to make between sincerity and comedy. Uh, and they separate. It's like the Oscars do. Like they don't have any respect for comedy, you know? they Everything's mm-hmm. got to be earnest and sincere. But I feel like that's maybe why, that's where you're, that's what people aren't getting about Neil Hamburger in this iteration, I, I think they they can't separate the two, or they need to separate the two, but they can't figure out how. And it's it's frustrating because I think there's lots of comedy in the best dramatic works. For instance, I mean, one of my absolute heroes in the world is Leonard Cohen, and I I find there is so much humor in his lyrics that is just high quality, top of the line comedy. Yes, you know? yes, and and and. It's weird because people barely notice that, you know, and they don't seem to understand that, that, you know, that type of humor, deep humor on these things makes the same point as the, as the serious lines do and that they are serious lines. When Leonard Cohen's being funny, it's, it's real serious. It's, you know? it's fascinating that people took, I thought the same thing about his last album, You Want It Darker, like he's addressing his mortality and the end of life in a very sincere way, but if you actually listen to what he's saying, he's very good humored about it. Like he's even he's, the title, exactly. even the title of the record is funny. It is, you know? yeah, it is. But I don't know. I don't know if we need a radical reprogramming or why we process things this way, or why some of us anyway uh, feel like the, there needs to be this delineation between the two. But I now that you mention it, I can see why how you straddle these realms and are I guess sort of trying to bring them together. Uh, I mean. I guess I am in my own stuff for sure. It's, it's um, the stuff that I, I don't know the the films that the the films and the and the records and things that hit me the hardest, like like the Cone or like Phil Oaks is another example of a songwriter who's very serious, but there's just humor in everything, even in the most serious songs, you know. And it's good quality humor. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't understand why people don't see this. And I don't understand like why if 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 they're if they're going to like say like the stuff Tim Heidecker does which like his his musical records are are beautiful records and they're very serious but I mean he's a funny guy and that's coming through in in his lyrics. I mean in in the same way like Randy Newman is another one. Warren Zevon. Like these kinds of guys. Warren Zevon. Yeah. yeah, and and um it's weird though people will take it from those guys going I guess you, some people might think backwards into a humor direction, but the humor going into the serious direction doesn't seem to make sense to people. And oh, you've you hit, know, you've hit uh, upon it there. I think you've hit upon it, Greg. I think people are mm-hmm. willing to accept the serious person going funny, but not the other way around. Yeah, even though they, they it might be like the, the the serious person might be the so-called serious person might be sixty percent serious, 
40% funny and the funny person might be 60% funny, 40% serious. And to these people, it's they're completely on different pages. Yeah. It's, it's very weird. It is weird. And bad. <laughs> and bad. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree. It, uh... I mean, and, and, I mean, and you know, like uh, the, the film that, that Rick Alverson and I did, Entertainment, Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a grim, a grim view for some people. But to us, it, it was very funny. And we would shoot some of those scenes that were just the, the bleakest scenes in the movie in the second that he said cut, we would just turn to each other and just burst into convulsive <laughs> laughter. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. We we thought it was both of those things, very funny and very serious. And I think they're really tied together because so much of, you know, laughter is is a way to process these, these serious yeah, issues I don't wanna, I don't want to tearing sound, us apart. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a fortune cookie, but that's what life is. It's serious Thank and funny. You. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it's yeah. just this is the dynamic of life that I, I thought those days of sort of, you know, de- segregating our feelings was gone <laughs> and uh, and processing art that way was gone. But it's sort of seems to be stronger than ever. Worse than ever. Yeah. yeah. Worse than ever. Yeah. I mean, uh, and also like I, I I noticed this in preparation for this record coming out and people uh you know, saying oh, it's a novelty record, or you know, whatever this is so bad, it's so, it's good. This kind of thing, it's like if you watch uh, Willy Wonka and the and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder, and he sings like Pure Imagination, mm-hmm. and I mean, that voice is is not, he, he is not. Nobody was asking him to make pop records after that. You know what I mean? Right, right. But it's it's the absolute right voice for that that material for those Anthony Newley songs, like that, that he really nails those songs. And it's, it's an emotional experience listening to that. Or you listen to like Ray Bulger and Burt Lahr and, and Jack Haley and the wizard of Oz singing those songs. Like, I mean, those are character voices. Those are, those guys are character actors. You know, they're like vaudeville guys that had these kind of peculiar voices. And it, those songs are all like, they're heavy hitters, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, they I, really are. They are. I, I, uh, I asked you about the the big band sound here because I, I just wanted to highlight the fact that, to my recollection, uh, Neil Hamburger has occupied different sort of genre realms. Uh, can mm-hmm. you, for people who haven't heard them, what what are some of the musical genres that, uh, if you will, uh, that Neil has sort of explored uh, in in his work? Well, I mean, we we did a we did a country record, which yeah. you know. Um... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I've had, I was so lucky to be working with these great musicians that could 
they they knew that sound you know mm -hmm. they they uh dave gleason who played guitar and, and on that record and wrote a bunch of the songs with me he's a country guy you know that's what he plays and and he he knows this stuff and we didn't want to have that um i i don't know there's a, there's a certain thing where people that don't really love truly truly love great country music kind of think of it as like let's do one of these funny country records right and, and talk in a funny country voice or you know hillbilly ha 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 like now we were like listening to specific sounds mostly from bakersfield from late 60s um and and trying to get this this kind of emotional punch that those records had for us you know what i mean um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I can see why it might not be taken as a credible country record by some people, but it's certainly not a like wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of record either. Um, we did do, uh, because the guys, you know, um, Adam and uh, Adam Ellis and Dave Gleason and Prairie Prince that I did that record and the next one with, they're just like incredible, versatile musicians. We did like a, a song that was basically me saying i really love casey and the sunshine band i think these guys <laughs> right. are really underrated really really underrated is like this uh true multicultural band that that you know it's like okay people think it's just like this disco thing but these guys were from miami and they had these guys from from cuba and they had african-american musicians and it was really like a true melting pot and everybody was at the absolute top level yeah, yeah. of talent. And I think their records are, are really, really pretty incredible. And uh, I love the simplicity of the lyrics. They're, they're, I mean, almost like somebody's got brain damage, you know, these lyrics that they have just really repetitious and <laughs> singular in theme. And, and, and I, I don't know, I find the lyrics kind of, um, funny in that way but the but the music's incredible and so i went to these guys to uh prairie and dave and adam and i was like let's see if we can do a casey and the sunshine band song you know and try to write something except um i gave them the uh my wife had written a negative review of these trash bags that we bought uh, <laughs> at, at, at costco that were just a torment because as you know costco it's like you got everything's in huge yeah you containers. get 50 of the thing that you wanted one of maybe yeah. yeah 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 and i think we bought these trash bags and that were 200 in the box and from the first bag it's like oh god these are awful and yeah. now it's going to be years it's going to be a decade <laughs> till we till we go all go through these and we were just so pissed off about it and it was too big of an investment. You don't want to ruin the environment by throwing 200 trash bags or 199 trash bags just into the trash without using them. And uh, just to relieve the uh, the household tension over this issue, she went on uh, Amazon and wrote this review of these trash bags. And I was reading it and thought it was thought it would work as lyrics to a song, and particularly to this Casey and the Sunshine Band song that we were trying to cook up. And voila, you know, we've got this. Uh, That's funny. I guess you call it a soul disco song, you know. Does the uh, uh, do American Costco's not have a good return policy? The Canadian Costco's, you can take anything back. The receipt. I don't know. I mean, uh, I can't. 
I, I just hate returning things. I feel like it's really <laughs> it's, it's something to, I can't take it. I feel like, uh, like I'm begging for money on the streets, even though, you know, these policies are, are usually fine. I just like going in and say, excuse me, would you yeah. take this back? It's not, I don't want this. I don't I know. See. I just can't, I, I can't do it. I, I can't see. do it. I can't do it. I'd rather, okay. I'd rather like, I'd rather figure out a way to, uh, dispose of the stuff anonymously you know or put it on ebay i should have just put the uh, i'm happy to do that i could have sold uh, you know 199 crummy trash bags yeah something something telling happened a moment ago when you said casey and the sunshine band you and i both chuckled and i think Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to what we were talking about that's a funny name it's hard to take a it's hard to take a band called Casey and the Sunshine Band seriously. You were just saying like no one takes them seriously. They're called Casey and the Sunshine Band. Like that's it's true. That's hard it's to true. take. That's what it is. I think it goes back to what we were saying about how people perceive things uh, in terms of well that can't be serious. They're called Casey and the Sunshine Band. I think like when you when you name your band or when you name whatever it is you're doing you really that like that's probably the most important decision you've got going you, you know yeah there's there's certainly like uh singer songwriters who just have serious names that i think are are taken seriously exactly. and shouldn't and shouldn't be and shouldn't be <laughs> you know exactly i think but that's when you're naming your kid do you have a kid i have two kids? kids yeah we talked about this i have, I have two children you have yeah. uh how many do you have now i got i got one you got one yeah and, you you uh, the yeah. last time i saw you i showed you a fo- uh, a video on my phone. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. Of my da- I think it was my daughter tobogganing. She's younger, and you were like, "Oh yeah. no, 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 that doesn't." You you seemed concerned, and I was like, "No, Greg, she was fine. She's a kid. She was." <laughs> you you seemed like I don't. You seemed. You know what I mean? You were like, "I don't think you should let your kid do that." <laughs> well. That wasn't that wasn't my call to make, was it? I'm sorry. No, I but... <laughs> I remember it. Obviously, it stuck with me, and I think it speaks to your character. I was very touched that you were concerned about a child you were watching on a little phone. That you didn't, you've never <laughs> even met the child, and you were worried about them. And and yes, I guess the subtext is you were questioning my parents, or parenting rather. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, now I <laughs> no, I have I have two kids. Uh... I have a seven year old and a and a four year old. Okay. Well, you know, when you name the kids, you've got to really think about what this is projecting you know and that's uh, uh that's interesting uh, i i went with levon and ramona mm-hmm. those are great 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 names oh well, thanks uh, they they're not they they don't they're not trivial names you know you, you don't want that it's true you don't want somebody you know you don't want your little girl not to be taken seriously as a woman because people just think oh oh pixie you know whatever like <laughs> I, I, I don't know i mean yeah. it's it's stupid but it it you know it's it's just like people's appearances like people are judging somebody instantly yeah. by how yeah. they look and it's not right but yeah. that's what we're dealing with and uh anyway casey and the sunshine band you know yeah they, they, they kind of blew it, didn't they? <laughs> well, it's not. It just, it just. I tell you, we both chuckled. We just, as you said, that even you in you in sort of saying they're not taken seriously, just chuckled saying their name. So I just wanted to highlight that. There's something, there's something there. I'll write a master's thesis on it someday. I mean, they were a party band, so I don't think they were. I don't think that they needed to be taken seriously in a, in a certain sense. But I, I just think that they should be given more respect as as fine fine musicians yeah. and as as trailblazers. Yeah. Um, no, I, there's certainly nothing. There's no serious message to be gotten out of the music. But if you want to, if you just want like a good 
quality soul funk disco type band. Like I prefer, honestly, I prefer Casey and the Sunshine band to like James Brown records, you know? Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I like them better. Interesting. And, and so, you know, whatever, maybe, maybe I'm nuts, but I, I think that the guitarist in that band is, is like one of the J- Jerome Smith is like one of the greatest guitarists who ever lived and gets really, really unique sounds. Hmm. And the poor guy, you know, he ended up, uh, killed on a construction site doing construction oh, you know, after he left the the band and um it's it's strange because you get these people that are great musicians that sort of uh, sometimes they have good publicists sometimes they have a certain type of drive in them who knows and and they uh, you know get asked to do things and taken seriously and have great careers and then you get somebody who you know maybe maybe it was impossible in 1982 or whenever he left Casey and the Sunshine Band, maybe nobody, uh, maybe that wasn't a good calling card. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the, what the climate was, but whatever the case, the guy, to, to my way of thinking, shouldn't have been working construction. Yeah. Know? No, I, I hear you. I hear you. No, and, and it's, it's, I'm, I'll check him out. I'll dig in. I didn't really think, like I, like I was saying, you know, I think I wrote them off a bit for their, I know the the songs, some of the songs, but I, I'll dig in now. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Uh, I, yeah, you're well, going you, mean, to have me looking up Casey and the Sunshine Band. It's so. the first, the first three records, first three albums are in, incredible okay. albums and, and really innovative. And like the guys, Rick Finch and, and Harry Casey that, that started it were like record nerds that were like working in the warehouse at a record distributor. And they were, they're like teenagers that were obsessed with records hmm. and music and, then they um, started. There was like a primitive studio in the in the back of this record distributor, and they started screwing around and like doing this stuff themselves, you know. Yeah. And um, I think like "Rock Your Rock Your Boat" by um, George McRae was maybe one of the first things they did. That um, it's it's really fascinating just the recording techniques. I think there if if you look it up and you find interviews with these guys on how that record was made. I mean, it's like really it's like reading interviews with uh, like lo-fi musicians that were you know using cardboard boxes for drums and mm. this kind of thing. Like these guys really, I think were great, cool. great, yeah. brilliant producers. And and then they brought in all these local basically session musicians from the Miami area and put together this this thing. And uh, eh, whatever. But there you go. You, you, <laughs> no, it's you, you just, screwed up. You screwed up. Uh, I you did. Tried to interview me, and you end up with like <laughs> this Casey and the Sunshine Band talk. And uh, well, that's my fault. I asked too many questions at the same time. We've already established that this is all. <laughs> It's all my fault. I uh, yeah. I got what I deserved. Uh, we I we've talked about a few of the songs and still dwelling. Um, I don't. Do you have like an overarching thing you want to say to kind of conclude? Our thoughts about this record. I mean, there's we've I've hinted at a couple of the things like Paul Simon we talked about. Uh, I didn't mention Paul McCartney and Wings. I didn't mention John Lennon. There's I think a, is there a TSOL song on this? TSOL, yeah, there sure is. Yeah, so you've got is there, about the selection in terms of some of this we've established is most of it. It sounds like is coming from an earnest appreciation of this of this music, and some of it I think you maybe saw some potential for humor. But um, is there anything else you want to say about? Uh, of this record and some of the songs and, you chose. And also Mark Eitzel, who to me is like a Leonard Cohen quality type of songwriter and also very 
very, very, very funny mm-hmm. uh, in these in these songs that are, you know, as they say, as serious as a heart attack. But I always think there's this undercurrent of great humor in them. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's. I'll, I'll just say this: it's it was an interesting project in that it wasn't even my idea. It was it was Eric's idea. He had uh, he's just a brilliant musician. He plays with uh, Cat Power, and he plays actually with Denny Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, doing wing songs that you know denny's got a great show where he he's just doing the the wings catalog with this incredible band that he's put together and eric is in in that band but uh eric would like sometimes at neil hamburger shows uh we would do this kind of duo thing um where we'd open the show he'd be on guitar and i'd be on vocals and we'd do a couple of songs sort of in this uh sinatra hobeem style yeah um, and then, then, you know, we do a couple songs to open the show or one song, and then I do the 45 minute comedy set and then he'd come out and we'd close with a couple of songs and we've been doing this for a while. And, and I liked, I like, I always like starting a comedy show with a song, you know, um, much like Jerry Lewis would often do. Um, and so, uh, and you know, and it's a vaudeville sort of tradition, but we were doing this and we went to see the who that a group that we both love, they were playing in Las Vegas. And so uh, Eric and I decided to go see the show and, you know, to cover the costs, book a Neil Hamburger show in Vegas for the night before. Oh, okay. And while we were planning this trip out, he told me that he knew of this recording studio there that were friends of his and that was cheap and sounded great. And why didn't we just go and document the songs that we had been doing live just to have them on tape, you know? just for the hell of it. And so we went in there and I think at this point there were maybe eight songs that we rotated with as this duo. And we just uh, knocked them out, you know, in a couple hours, just recorded them live guitar vocals, got a nice sounding recording, came back from Vegas. And I uh, basically forgot about these tapes, forgot that we had done this, you know, it, it was fine. They were fine, but there was no plan to do anything with them. And then Eric, bless his heart, unbeknownst to me as a surprise, took a couple of these recordings and started layering all these multiple tracks of music on them, him playing all these instruments, including drums, which, you know, you, you should never be recording the drums after the song is <laughs> is locked in. But he did that and put in, you know, string arrangements and all, all this stuff. And just presented him and said, "Check this out. Look what I did. Surprise, you know." Wow! And I was I was blown away at how good this stuff was. I think the Straight Life was one of the first of these, and it was it was just beautiful in this in the way of the exact music that that him and I really take to these these sixties pop productions, you know. And um, so we kind of said, "Let's keep going. Let's do let's do more of this." And he went ahead and filled in music on the stuff we'd recorded in Vegas, but then we started writing songs and bringing in new songs, and and then it, he kind of started uh, thinking, well, I can play all these instruments, but we might get a, a different take if we bring in this guy or bring in that guy. Yeah, and uh, the real, I think the real turning point was when we brought in uh, Rabbit Bundrick, who is like truly, truly, truly one of the great genius musicians of all time. 
Uh, he played keyboards with The Who and with Pete Townsend for 30 years. But um, before that, I mean, he had been brought in uh, by Bob Marley and the Wailers hmm. to, to play on those records. Um, and he's, I mean, the guy's played with everyone from like ABBA and, uh, you know, Mick Jagger. And he was in free, just uh, just this incredible career. And really his playing on uh, Pete Townsend's album, Empty Glass, has always just blown my mind. Uh, just very innovative keyboard playing. And he had played most of the music for the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. So, you know, he had a, he had a sense of humor and, and we had a contact with him and asked him if he would uh, play on a track. And uh, we just needed a piano track and he sent back, I think, 11 different tracks of diff- different instruments that, wow. you know, that, that synthesized instruments, but it was so, so crazy just the it was stuff that no one would ever anticipate like we thought we had this track kind of done and then he sent back this thing that just absolutely blew our mind just his approach to these things and it's weird because in reading pete townsend's uh, autobiography he kind of says the same thing about rabbit that like hmm. it just it feels like somebody from another planet almost <laughs> it's, he's just approaching these things from a way that you would never ever think to do and we were so happy with that that we started, you know, all right, can you do more tracks, more tracks? And then that kind of opened the floodgate to other guest people that might improve upon what we had. And uh, Eric brought in this guy, Proben Gregory, who plays in Brian Wilson's band. Oh. And he came in with his horns. And, you know, I, I think I'm surprised he didn't need uh, to go to the hospital after he was done. Because <laughs> he laid down trumpet and trombone and flugelhorn and just, you know, he was he was worked very hard but um anyway we got all these guys and before you knew it it was and petra hayden came in and did strings and and tanya hayden and we just like kind of piecemeal worked on this thing for the course of a year and uh then there it was there it was well like i i said earlier and uh, i i hope uh this resonates with you. I I think the record's beautiful. Like uh, I, I, on a, on every level, on a sincere, sentimental level, on a comedic level, it's just very thoughtful. And the, as I said, maybe at the beginning of all this, your singing thank is you. your singing is excellent. I mean, in character, well, in in character to to sing the way you sing, to hold these notes, all that kind of stuff. It's very good. So I hope uh, that resonates with you on some some level. Well, I mean, that's that's what I aspire to, and I, I like I like singing so much you know listening to singing and uh i always feel very uh unqualified but when we were doing it i was really trying to get what i wanted it to be i was really you know trying to tap into something and having eric there who has just got a perfect ear uh he was very encouraging mm. and he was like you nailed it that's that's yeah. it's perfect you know it, it definitely gave me some confidence to uh to go for it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, that comes across. So, uh I as I as we wrap up here, what's next for Greg Turkington? What's next for Neil Hamburger? What's going on? Oh dear. Well, um <laughs> hopefully this is hopefully no more podcast. You know, I have a no podcast policy. Yes, it's I, been difficult I, to get you on this show as yourself. I know, but I like I would do anything for you cuz I always love <laughs> I love your interviewing. I love I love 
I love your writing. I just think you're, oh. you're just the best at this stuff. And oh, so, geez, Greg. You know, well, when Catherine was like, oh, you do this podcast, I was like, no, 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 no. And then she said who it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yes, 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 mm. I will. I will. That's very kind but, of you. Thank you. I appreciate well, it very much. I mean, I, I it just worries me that, you know, because then if I do one, then other people will think that I do podcasts that I don't want to do them. I, I really don't, but mm. I love talking. I mean, I always love, you just ask you just ask the best questions for getting uh, getting interesting discussions going, rather than um, you know the usual the usual canned answers. Well, the trick is to ask as many questions as possible in one go. That's what I do. I just mm-hmm. I, I, I think it works. <laughs> I I don't have any. I have no. I'm not. This is not a a brag or a boast. And it's it's sometimes it doesn't work out. But I have no notes. Right. I'm just listening to you and processing and talking to you like a normal human, like if we were meeting up somewhere, you know? So I, when I stumbling about for a thing to say or a question, it's me formulating it as a human being <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who's done mm-hmm. some done some research, has some thoughts, and is just accessing them in the moment. So, uh, Which is, which they call, it should be what improvisational acting and, and comedy is. You know? Yes, I suppose it's it harkens back to that. I just want to be listening actively and, and in the moment. So I, I've i just stopped, you know, it's, when you start out with something, I'm sure you're the same. You have your crutches that you uh, bring with you. Maybe they're on stage. Maybe it's a notepad. Maybe it's whatever. But at some point, you, I, I've discovered like, yeah, no, you're okay. Trust yourself. And like, you know, mm-hmm. you say kind things. I hear kind things. And that, that is flattering and it's encouraging. So thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, seriously, it's 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 uh, it does not go unappreciated. Oh, I can thank you. Say that much, and I'm sure your your listeners and and your readers are also very, very, very thankful that you're out there <laughs> doing this. And well, I appreciate that. Uh, get get you know, because I don't know. I, I I tend to feel that artists, you know, if you want to uh, know what they're about, just listen to the art. You know, I mean, people say this, and, yeah. but I think it's really true that. Um, maybe we don't have the best way to express what we're doing um, by talking about it. The, the, the most, the truest expression of what we're trying to communicate is in what we've communicated in the art. That's yes. what we're, you know what I mean? So yeah. to me, talking about this stuff, I was, I, I generally feel bad. Like, oh boy, this is, it's, you're selling the stuff short and who cares what I have to say about it? I said what I had to say about it in the actual thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, I I, um, I wrestle with that too in in asking questions sometimes. Like, but you but you make it work though because you actually are able to elicit um, in in your interview subjects. You're able to uh, make people talk talk about things in a way that actually adds to the, uh, oh. the art that they do rather than subtracts from it, which mm. is a, a problem with some interviews that I've listened to <laughs> where I'm like, oh, shoot, this is just, just like almost ruining the art for me because I, I feel like this person even doesn't feel this way about this, but because this interviewer is so poor, they're they're giving these answers yeah. almost based on what they think the interviewer wants to hear, and it's actually... Yeah. destructive. <laughs> anyway, you're the opposite of those types well, of people. I, I, and so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what was my question? Oh, yeah. What's coming up next? Know. No podcasts. You're not doing podcasts. No. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Any other plans no. to share or news, so to speak? Um, well, we're doing these on cinema live tours, which um, are, are really fun. Cool. Um, and uh, we've got uh, maybe a dozen of the, dozen more shows booked. Um, 
around the, uh, the U.S., unfortunately not Canada. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, I've got a bunch of shows this summer in uh, Australia and, and New Zealand. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah. and England, England as well. And then uh, Tim and I did this this feature film that um, it's, it was supposed to be a short thing for the web, for adultswim.com. And uh, we just ended up kind of... <laughs> With, with Eric Natarnicola, who's our, our director and writes these things with us, we ended up accidentally uh, making a feature film uh, in the, uh, you know, the Decker on Cinema universe right. uh, about Tim running for district attorney of San Bernardino and sort of this pathetic campaign that he's running. Um, and, you know, we shot in San Bernardino and it's... Um, some of it we shot on the streets, some of it's scripted with actors, and uh, but you know, we we did this thing, and it looks like it's getting some actual uh, distribution and hopefully some sort of theatrical run. So, oh, amazing! That's uh, yeah, that's that's coming up uh, later in this year, and I think Tim's acting in it is just mind blowing. Following up on the on the incredible performance he gave in the uh, the trial that we did, and mm -hmm. uh, I I think people find this enjoyable it's 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 uh somewhere between um i would say somewhere between like uh christopher guest type movie and uh rick alverson type movie okay. like a like you know some sort of weird deep uh parody of a of a certain culture but like very very bleak i'm sorry did so, you did you give the title of the film um, the, uh, or, or is it a working title? Oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's called, uh, at least at this point, it's called Mr. America. Okay. Um, but, uh, it's, the title's changed a few times. Right. But okay. I, anyway. I just wanted anyway, to make I'm sure a, I didn't miss that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited about that. And so, uh, we'll see when that, when that comes out. Okay, great. And if for people who want to, um, monitor your comings and goings on the internet or social media, do you want to shout out, uh. <laughs> where I they could do that i would suggest they go to a park instead and like, <laughs> you know i mean aren't they on the aren't they on the social media and computer enough doing their banking yes. and everything else yeah like, yeah i just wanted I to give know. you an opportunity to you know just let people know if they want to keep track of what you're all the things you just said i don't know it's fine i, I mean they can look for me on the street okay <laughs> okay <laughs> is is there a song from still dwelling that we can go out on. Can you select a song for us? Wow. Um, I guess, uh, why don't we go out on, um, on lonely, the, uh, the Mark Eitzel cover that oh, we did. Okay. On there. Is there any particular it, reason that stuck out for you? Well, cause I was on the spot and had to name something. Oh, oh, oh I see. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, I think, I think Eric really like outdid himself on that arrangement. It really has like a Jimmy Webb vibe to me. Like, uh, yeah, and uh, and that's got some nice Probe and Gregory horns on that, and yeah, it's, I, I dig it. But you know what? If you want, play a different track and delete what I just said no, because no. I'm I'm fine with anything from the album being played. Really, no, lon lonely's a great way to go. This is lonely from Still Dwelling by Neil Hamburger. This album out on Drag City. We didn't even mention that. Uh, and, uh, and that you could buy it at dragcity.com. There, there you go. go. You, you promoted the internet. Good job. You don't have to, you don't have to buy it on, on the street or on the sidewalk from me. Like I was, and, 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 and anywhere that find cassette tapes yes. and DV, uh, CD compact discs and LP long playing records. It's in every, and the digital 
thing too if yeah. that's your bag yeah all right here it is lonely neil hamburger from still dwelling uh greg thank you so much for your time and your kind Thanks, words and, and your attention and I, I appreciate it and best of luck with everything well just what you said i'm saying it right back at you because i really appreciate your uh, your interest in my stuff over the years and, and your kind words so what a what a nice way to end thank you thank you just want me to shut up. You don't want me to think what I'm thinking or the devil in my throat to come up. And you get so nervous that everything's a joke. If I have to be this lonely, if I have to be this lonely, if I It's a real honor. It's a rare a podcast appearance by Greg Turkington. Thank you very much, Greg, for being on this, the 466th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms, and also on, uh, what, Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom, these sorts of things. 
If you're looking for an episode and you can't find it on any of those things for some reason, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at cfru.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Or as Greg says, you could just skip all of those things and just go to the park. Just go to the park and forget the internet. But if you're going to be on the internet, maybe go to some of those things that I just said. Thanks again to uh, CFRU, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, and Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support of this show. Also, uh, my dear pal Jim Guthrie lets me use a song of his every week. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And uh, last but not least, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this show and all the support you've shown for it uh, and for you know telling your friends about it and, and subscribing to it. That's, uh, that's great. Thank you. And that's all I have to say for now. I will talk to you very, very soon, I hope. Goodbye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.